See, I learned all this lucky in Kalapana because in Kalapana we, we never had any uh, electricity. So, yeah, everything was run by kerosene. First guitar I had was run by kerosene. <laughs> That was Slack Key guitarist and 2011 National Heritage Fellow, Ledward Capana. Welcome to Artworks, the program that goes behind the scenes with some of the nation's great artists to explore how art works. I'm your host, Josephine Reed. To call it Capana a master of the Slack Key guitar doesn't begin to do him justice. He's also an extraordinary ukulele player and one terrific singer with a voice that somehow encompasses a soaring baritone and a yearning falsetto. Little wonder that he's been a celebrated performer for over 40 years, entertaining audiences in Hawaii, on the mainland, and around the world. He's not exactly a slacker in the recording department either. He has 31 CDs to his name and performed on almost 40 others. Although Led Kapana has dedicated himself to perpetuating the traditional style and musical repertoire of Hawaii, he's also worked with a wide range of musical talent, including Alison Krauss, Dolly Parton, Wayne Henderson, and Chet Aikens. The traditional Hawaiian virtues of Ohana, family, Aloha Ama, love of the land, and Loko Meika, generosity, inform Led's music and his life. All roads lead to the small town of Kalapana, where Led's family settled in the mid-1950s, and music was a way of life. Kalapana is a place that is so isolated from everything else. So I live, learned how to live the old style, you know, um, surviving off the land, go hunting for meat and go fishing, you know, for food, learn how to respect people, you know. Just learning the old style was great, and... The music was one of the most important things that happened because where we live, we didn't have no electricity, no um, TVs, no nothing. So we created our own environment to have fun, you know. We climbed coconut trees and guava trees and mango trees and, <laughs> you know, we had fun like that. And my dad, um, my mom, my uncles, grandmas and grandpas, they all played music, so as I was growing up, I was growing up in that environment and just listening and watching what they were doing, observing, and just learn how to carry on the tradition. Tell me about the house parties. What were they? Um, you know, in Kalapane, uh from the first house to the last house, everybody was related, and, and everybody played music. And the further in Kalapane you go, the music gets better and better. And I come from the last house. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> no, no, but um, we ha we used to have parties that used to go like, I remember the parties used to last like one month. We have to parties for one month because... A month? A month, yeah. Dad them used to go work and we were back home helping mom and, you know, everybody just keep the food prepared. And every family used to come over and like potluck. Everybody used to share the food, and that's why the thing used to just go on and on. And and then you have all the different families that comes and they also play music, and they have their own style of playing, their own keys, their own tunings. 
And your family was very musical. My family was all musical, yeah. We had uh, 11 of us, and we all played music. And your mother was a renowned singer. Yeah, my mom sang. She was the one that taught me how to play the guitar and the ukulele. And my dad played slacky guitar. He played steel guitar. He played auto harp, saxophone, piano. And none of them read music. In Kalapana, nobody read music. Until today, I still don't read music. <laughs> it, it just comes from within. I do a lot of festivals now, and I play with all these different entertainers. And I'm not afraid to play with different entertainers. Because I think it's so deep down in me that the music just comes from here. And and you know what I found out about playing with other other entertainers is that you have to have a good ear, and that's what it is. If you don't hear it right, you're not going to get it. So I always compliment my ears. I think that's so right. So much of good music is about good listening. Good listening, yeah. That's what it is. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. If you had to explain what a slack heat guitar is, yeah. what would you say? I would say um, the slacky guitar is a style that the Hawaiian people created. Let's go back. First, when the Mexican cowboys, I guess, came to the islands to help upgrade the cattle industry to teach the Hawaiians how to rope cattle, and then they the one brought the guitars in. And, you know, like after they got through roping cows in the afternoon around the fire, they used to sing and play, and after they left, they left some of, of the guitars back in Hawaii, and then the Hawaiians got a hold of the guitar, and... They taught themselves of how to play the guitar. So what they did, they retuned the guitar to to how they filled. And retuning the guitar from a standard tuning to a slacky tuning, a slacky tuning is that you have all these strings that they relate to one, to one another. In other words, if you're on a standard tuning, if you hold a key G, you have to put the finger on the fretboard to hold it, the note G. What the Hawaiians did, they retuned the guitar where you don't have to put your finger there. All you have to do is strum the strings from the sixth string down to the first, and you have a G chord. And then from there, they start creating their style of playing. And the style is um, the tom plays the bass notes while the fingers do the melody chords. So you, you, it sounds like two or three guys playing because of, of the way the finger picking is done. Yeah. When I was listening to your work, and I was listening to your solo work, and I kept looking at the CD saying... This is solo. How is this solo? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. A lot of people say that. And I just use two fingers, you know, my thumb and, and my first finger. Fascinating. Yeah. And you play eight tunings of slack key. Um, Probably more by now. Mm, that's one thing about the, the tunings. You know, every time you re- you retune the guitar, then you have to learn the fingerings because the fretboard changes. Everything changes. Everything changes, yeah. Okay, hot finger style. <laughs> Hot finger style? Yeah. What is that? <laughs> hot finger style is, um, I guess it's the the way I play the guitar. Um, I play standard tuning and I play slacky. So when I play standard tuning, I guess they mean the way I play. I pick on the guitar because I play over the neck. That's what my uncle used to do. He, he used to play over the neck of the guitar, picking above the, on top of the guitar and playing melodies and singing along with, with the songs. Yeah. 
And your uncle, that's Fred Punahuna? Fred Punahuna, yeah. And he was a wonderful, slacky guitarist. Yeah. And my Uncle Fred, he told me the story about how he learned to play his guitar. He dreamt for about seven nights of how to play. In his dream, someone came into his dream and taught him how to play the guitar. This guy sat on the coconut tree. In his dream, he sees the guy on the coconut tree, but he couldn't see the guy's face. All he seen was everything was white with the red chest. You know, the Hawaiian star, they always have that red chest. And sitting there and teaching him, and as he was getting ready to go to school, his dad used to make him um, you know, home lunch to go to school, and, and the dad could hear him playing in the room, his guitar. And so on the seventh day, when he told his dad, the dad gave him one slap. <laughs> you know, like. So in other words, he, he was not supposed to say anything, because after that, the dream was gone. Never had a dream. Then you know what he told me? He told me, my uncle told me, if I didn't tell my dad about this dream... I could have been playing with my eyelashes. <laughs> because because he plays with his nose, he plays with his toes, he plays over the guitar. Wow. And then I, as as me as young, watching him do all that, I was just amazing. You follow both the tradition of your mother because you're an incredible vocalist, mm -hmm. as well as your uncle, yeah. an extraordinary guitarist. Mm -hmm. You sort of weave so them both the together. Th yeah. And on top of that, because of, of all of me, my the other uncles that I have, I guess in me, I have some of them in, in me, so I, I like putting everything together. So when I play this guitar, I guess it comes from within. When, when I'm playing, I also surprise myself because I'm creating something that I feel and, and it's happening right there and I'm surprised and, and sometimes people look at me and I'm on a stage playing and they whoa, and, and the same for me, like, whoa, you know, and, but it always comes back. So I guess it's like a gift, they would say, you know. It makes you so happy. You know, I'm so happy. Like, never a dull moment. I always want to play music. Or, you know, I've been having this feeling since I was young till now, and, and I still have the same and keep on creating. And you play the ukulele. I play the ukulele, yeah. And, and the aura. <laughs> and you're considered a master of that, and that it's rare for a master vocalist, master slack guitarist, <laughs> and a master ukulele player. Yeah. Well, like I say, because I love music so much and growing up in a musical family. And today, I always tell myself, I wish those days was like today because the people of today could see how my dad, how my mom, you know, like today they have all this technology and recording, you know, video. And those days, we never had, you know, such thing. We had reel-to-reel -reel tape. That's what, that was it. That was about it, you know. Let me ask you this, and this comes completely out of my ignorance, but... Do you reach for the ukulele for some songs rather than the slack guitar? What's the difference in the way you use those instruments? When I'm doing my show, I'm, I'm playing the music that I love to play. And then the reason why I reach for the ukulele, because it feels like I'm running out of songs, so I go to the ukulele. <laughs> I see. Yeah. And so then, the different instruments inspire you? Inspire me, and I grab. And then when I'm done with the ukulele, I feel some more... On, on the guitar, so I switch over, and, and that's like I'm going back and forth, you know. Oh, that's so interesting. So as I as I'm playing, I can feel the ukulele or the guitar, like do the ukulele now, you know, and then it just comes natural. Wow. Okay, that's really interesting. Or even if I have the sometimes I have the auto harp with me, the auto harp, so I play auto harp, ukulele, guitar, you know. You obviously take in traditional Hawaiian music, but. You also listen to music from the mainland yeah, as well. Yeah. I started back in those days. I used to listen to the ventures. I used to listen to country music. All those days when I was growing up. So that's when I used to go to school. 
in school, I used to have friends that walk around with transistor radios, you know, with the batteries. Yeah, those old. <laughs> so I, I hear songs. <laughs> yeah, then I hear the songs like, oh man, that's nice. So in my head, I keep the melody and everything, and I just go home and grab my guitar or my ukulele and just play the song. Would you try to merge Hawaiian sensibility into it or just do it straight or both? Well, both, yeah. I just feel the song, how it feels, you know. Try this and try that and try this, you know, and have fun with it. I have a question. What makes Hawaiian music Hawaiian music? Hawaiian music, uh, makes it Hawaiian music, I guess because of maybe the, could be the vocal, the way they sing. Um, the falsetto that comes the, in. Yeah, the, it's yeah, the it's combination. The combination of the falsetto. What's um, it called? Falsetto. Oh, in Hawaiian? Uh, in Hawaiian, it's called Leo uh, Kiiki. Kiiki, yeah. And that with uh, the feelings. The, the music is like, it comes from the soul. That's why for my music, the Hawaiian music, it comes from my soul. And the music goes out and grabs people and, and makes them cry. You know, I just did the low festival. I made a lot of people cry, and you know they come up to me and says, "I cannot believe you you made you made my day and you made me cry." And I said, "You know what? That's a blessing." And I love when I hear people say that because I know I did the right thing. I think I took you back to your days. You reminisce whatever happened, mm-hmm. and and they go and they tell me that's that's what it is. You know, I just sat there with my eyes closed. So the Hawaiian music is like a healing to me. It's like a healing music. You know, back home and we have people that they're feeling ill, they're sick. All we have to do is go over there and play for them, go visit them and bring on my guitar and start playing slacky music and singing Leo Kiiki, you know, the falsetto. smiling tears coming out of the eye and and they feel so great so it's like a medicine to them you know you know like how we say chicken skin yeah yeah you can feel all the goosebumps yeah you know? yeah <laughs> in, in this music that's what makes the hawaiian music to me. and so i feel about the hawaiian music in listening to it it seems to me kind of a visual music yeah you just can see all you know and, and it's all good you know to me it's all good and i always thank the man above when i get the comments from people good comments i always thank the man above every day i thank him for for, for this gift to make people happy and and to me I always say that I always have to play from within from the heart you know I always say play from the heart sometimes people just want to play music or they want to impress and you know my dad told me you don't have to impress nobody so I'm just like my dad I don't impress somebody said to me Hawaiian music is about sharing it's not about showing off yeah it's sharing the love that's why the Hawaiians always write about love stories about the mountains about the ocean you know, because it, like it always bringing a group together and and having a nice time and a lot of uh we call it mana mana is like um the lord above you know the blessings yeah do you remember your first public performance oh my first public performance yeah i think back in 1962 probably i was in this um Battle of the band, just me and my twin brother, and just two of us, and my cousin. She was a female. She she was the singer, and then we were battle of the band, and we we're the only group that had three musicians. Every school they had like six of them. You know they had drum, they had 
guitar players and and here was us from Kalapana, you know, <laughs> with a small amplifier, and we were good. Actually, we were good. We came in second place. And the reason for that was because this, they say they couldn't hear. We were in a civic auditorium, and you know how big the civic auditorium, and with a small amp. So the judges claimed that they, they couldn't hear the music was in it, like those guys with the big Fender amps. And <laughs> well, you and your twin brother and your cousin Dennis yeah. formed a trio called... Hui Ohana. Hui Ohana, and that means... A family group. A family group. And your first CD was... Um, Young, Young Hawaii. Hawaii plays old Hawaii, yeah. And it was a huge hit. Yeah, yeah. Three of us, we used to hang around my dad them all the time. And we loved the music. And, you know, today I never thought this was going to be my thing that I'm traveling the world. I'm so happy that it turned out that way. And I get to share all this music that was passed on, you know. When we started Hui Ohana from uh, 1972 to 1976, we played together. And your mother would come to sometimes come and sing with you, wouldn't oh, yeah, she? Oh, yeah, And on our third album, we invited my mom to record with us. Oh, that must have been so special. Yeah, because because all those years, my mom and dad, they didn't have any public, you know, like nobody, you know, outside of Hawaii, nobody knew who my mom Martina was, who my dad and my Uncle Fred. And then so we, we put her on, on the CD, and a lot of people love her voice. And after that, we backed her up on two of her CDs, one was Mama Tina, and the other one was called Alania. That was herself, her, her solo album. You're known as the great improviser. Mm -hmm. Didn't you say whenever you do a tune, it's always going to be a little bit different because you're just approaching it differently each yeah, time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's what I always talk about, yeah, about the music. I can play this song today, this way, and tomorrow I play the same song, and it's different. But because it's the feeling, it's the mode that you feel, every day you feel different, it's not the same. So the music changes, and when it changes, it gets better and better and better, you know. Like, I'm telling myself, wow, man, I got something new here, you know. <laughs> and and people notice that. I got a lot of friends and families that they notice, like, oh, well, you played it different. If I have a workshop, I do a workshop, I teach the students of how to play this song, and the next time they see me, they, oh, Led, we got this, you know, we got it down, they play it for me, okay. Then they would say, well, we want to hear you play it. So I played. When I played, there's all these different things. And notes flying out of the instrument. And, and they look and, and they tell me, you didn't show us that. <laughs> because it's always different. I tell me, because every time I play, I always have a good good feeling about playing. That's why I never get tired of playing. Um, like, like say, if, if you do a music sheet and everything's the same thing every day, you just do the same line, nothing. There's no feeling. But when you play with feelings... It comes out the way you feel. So it's my personality and the feelings that I have is coming out every day different. 1989, you performed at the Smithsonian Folklife Festival here in Washington, D.C. That was a game changer for you. Tell us about it. Yeah, you know, that show time, that was my first time of playing solo. <laughs> it, it, I didn't, yeah. I was afraid of playing solo. After Huyohana disbanded, I was going to give up. But my wife told me, you cannot give up. You know, coming from Kalapana, playing with your brother and your cousin, and, and that's all. That's the only one you play with. All those years, and then when the thing disbanded, you just got lost. Like, you know, what are you going to do now? And she knew there were a lot of things that I could do. <laughs> and I wanted to give up, but I kept on going and going. And then I ended up in... That was my first solo, solo, 
And you know what? And it started from there. It actually started from there because after that, there was a guitar players for the Smithsonian. We went around the world, I guess, play all over East Coast, West Coast. We did, we did it all with Jerry Douglas, you know, myself. Tal Farlow was a jazz guy, Wayne Henderson, you know, Rockabilly, Albert Lee. <laughs> all playing together? Yeah. And we were all different guitar players for different culture. And Joe Wilson put, put the thing together. And that's, and that's where I was playing all solo and learning and, and just watching all these professionals up here and, and learning at the same time and, and got more confident in myself in playing solo. And then the, the feeling for me was just to play with somebody from from a different world, you know, to share what we did, that was a great feeling. Just to, you know, like it's the same like the, the festivals, you know. When I go to the festivals, they put you on the stage with all these guitar players and, you know, when you don't know... Nobody, everybody just go there and, and from there it start and that's what it is to have this, this feeling, it's, it's so awesome. It feels so great to be sitting there to play with guitar players that you just met now and, and you're sharing this, this music or this melee we call it in Hawaiian, you know, the music, that's a great part about it. Okay, somebody said I had to ask you about the paper bag trick. <laughs> I learned it from my uncle Fred. I don't, I don't know. I never asked him where he, how how he learned that or how he got it. I was just amazed to watch what he was doing with the bag like that, and he used to just smile as I was growing up watching him. And he, he told me like this: "Um, says, look, man, no fingers, <laughs> and and his hand is in a bag, and he, and he's and he's playing the guitar. You think there's no bag because you don't hear this muffled sound. You know, you hear all the notes. It's all." clean and clean, you know, you cannot tell if you have a bag on. So that's how I started playing around with the bag. And then when I went to Tahiti, uh, one year I went to Tahiti, I played the paper bag. I think it was 1985. I went with a group, Econo, I took him down there. And there's another guitar player in Tahiti. He's a good friend of mine too. His name is Piteo. He's the number one guitar player in Tahiti. So he was playing with, with the towel over his guitar. And he played on the towel. The towel is covered from, um, you know, the whole neck. And he's playing on the neck. And I played with the paper bag. We had fun. You know, he was doing that, and I was doing the, the paper bag. <laughs> when did you start teaching? I th I started teaching, let me see, you know. Okay, three years ago. I, I teach in solo. Do you find that there are a lot of younger people in Hawaii who are interested in learning traditional Hawaiian music, learning slack guitar? No, I don't. I don't find Hawaiian people. Um, I find mostly people from the mainland. Really? Yeah, a lot of Hawaiians. They wanna. They wanna learn it. You know, because um, back in '89, from '89, when me and the late Ray Carney, actually, I think we just we were the ones just paved the way for all these entertainers in Hawaii. But as we were going around, and the people in the mainland, first time they ever heard Slacky, this is like like whoa, you know, like um. What's that? And we the this is Hawaiian slacky. Because the reason for that, because in the old days, um, you wouldn't hear this music any place, you know, back in the 60s. You wouldn't hear it. The only place you would hear it is uh, if you have a luau, you hear them. You don't hear it in public like you hear today. It's well known all over the world back then because in those old days, every family, they used to keep that as a secret. They used to just keep it in their family. But as we, we, Ray Connie and myself went with Dancing Cats, they're the one that opened the door and they're the one brought out the tuning, as in, you know, and that's how we shared his tuning today. And it's, it's good 
to share the tuning because when I'm not here, I know the thing will live forever. You know, like some of our uncles have certain tunings that I forgot about it. You know, they they took it to the grave with them. You know, so um, so it's nice for me to share and just pass on to the next generation. And I find out a lot of people from, from the mainland they just love the music, so they go to Hawaii to learn. And now we get we get workshops, Maui, Honolulu, you know, and and we have the Slacky concert every year all over the islands. <laughs> yeah, how did you find out about getting the National Heritage Fellowship? I forget what the fellow's name is, but I was in Arizona. Barry Burgi. He the guy called. <laughs> he called me and. <laughs> and he said, well, I just want to let you know, I got the good news, you're, you're one of the recipients, and I, I, I just stand, I still stand, you know. Um, you know, I'm happy for that because I feel so happy representing Hawaii. You know, I feel happy bringing this music out, spreading the, the music for Hawaii, being part of, you know, the guy to go out there and share this music. Spreading the joy. Spreading the joy, yeah, the aloha. Yeah, that's what you just said, the spirit, that's where it comes from. For me, it's all spirit and Love, a lot of love, a lot of love in the music, a lot of feelings, you know. And it covers all that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much and many congratulations. Thank you. God bless. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> that was musical legend and 2011 National Heritage Fellow, Led Kapana. You can hear Led and the other National Heritage Fellows perform live at the NEA National Heritage Concert on Friday, September 23rd at 8 p.m., at the Music Center at Strathmore, which is in Bethesda, Maryland. But if you can't make it to Maryland, not to worry. We're webcasting it live. Go to arts.gov and click on National Heritage Fellowships for more information about this free event and the live webcast. You've been listening to Artworks, produced at the National Endowment for the Arts. Adam Campy is the musical supervisor. Excerpts from Icona and Mona Lois Slack Key from the CD, Lead Live Solo, performed by Ledward Capana, used courtesy of Dancing Cat Records. The Artworks podcast is posted every Thursday at arts.gov, and now you can subscribe to Artworks at iTunes U. Just click on the iTunes link on our podcast page. Next week, Arab-American oud player and 1994 National Heritage Fellow, Simone Shaheen. To find out how artworks in communities across the country, keep checking the Artworks blog or follow us at NEA Arts on Twitter. For the National Endowment for the Arts, I'm Josephine Reed. Thanks for listening. <laughs>